are listening to Rootbound, a podcast about plants for when you're stuck inside. This episode is sponsored by the hot new dance craze, The Waggle Dance. Buzz on over to the dance floor and watch as the bees waggle the way to the nearest nectar. Waggle on, bees. Waggle on. Hi everyone, Steve here, the host of the show, and this show is Rootbound, the podcast about plants for when you're stuck inside. And each week I invite a guest who joins me on the show to share with us all about a plant that means something to them, and then I share with a guest about a plant that means something to me, and through this process we can all learn more about plants and learn more about each other. It's the philosophy of this program that everybody has at least one plant that's meaningful to them because plants are so integral to our lives as humans on this planet. Now, before we meet our guest today, I want to share a concept with you that I learned um, after speaking with our guest. So the plant that our guest is going to talk about is an aquatic plant, and I was thinking about aquatic plants, and one thing that came into my mind was, why don't the roots of aquatic plants rot underwater? You know, that's not a very hospitable situation for, like, plant material. You know, if you have, like, a log underwater for a while, it'll eventually just rot away because that's what happens. And so I was Googling around, and apparently there's a number of reasons why, but one of them in this new vocabulary word that I've learned today is erenchyma. I think that's how it's pronounced. It's spelled A-E-R-E-N-C-H-Y-M-A. Erenchyma, erenchyma, erenchyma. Not sure. I'm going to say erenchyma. And erenchyma are, according to Wikipedia, the spongy tissue that creates air channels in leaves, stems, and roots of some plants, which allows exchange of gases between the shoot and the root. So that's a really interesting thing. So uh, under the water, where the roots of aquatic plants often are, is an anaerobic environment. There's very little oxygen. But this erenchyma, these little, little tubes, uh, allow the exchange of that air to get down under the water, and it allows access to oxygen, which prevents the creation of an anaerobic environment, which prevents uh, the activity of anaerobic microorganisms that can uh, have a negative impact on the roots and eventually have them rot. So that's a really interesting thing. I did not know about that until today, but I think it's pretty interesting. Erenchyma, a new word to impress your friends. And now let's meet our guest. Oh, well, I have to tell you, I am impressed. Hi, Irene. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Rootbound. Hi, thanks for having me. It's good to be here. It's great to have you. Do you have a plant to share with us today? Yeah, so my plant, it's such a special plant. I feel like everybody has some sort of relationship to it in some way. And it's the cattail. Ah. which is also called Typha latifolia ah, or the so water cool. torch. Oh, I, yeah. I never heard that name before, but that, that makes sense. And uh, <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. yeah I, I'm excited to hear about this. I like, I have some, like, I know things about this plant, but I really don't have a lot of hands-on experience with it. Like you, it's one of those plants you see it in, in a distance. I feel like, like, I feel like not as many, at least people who live in a city like me, get up close and personal with. And so I'm excited to hear about it from you. And let's, let's start with why is a cattail meaningful to you? 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it was one of those plants when I was very young that I would always see. It was always around. It was always like in, you know, a stream or like a lake. I I grew up in upstate New York and it was, it was always kind of there and it's, and it's such a, it has that little kind of hot dog thing on it, (laughs) (laughs) which is so emblematic of it. And, and as a kid, I would like always like play with it. Like I loved how it's, its leaves are very waxy and it's that flower is which is the hot dog part is like really fun to play with and it just like strikes the imagination i think and it looks exactly a like a way. fair corn dog yes know, from a distance it looks like a field of corn dogs <laughs> yes <laughs> which is i never think of cattails when i think of it but i'm like okay i'll go with it i guess it's kind of like part of a cattail yeah, that's a good point. I never thought about it that way. But yeah, I guess maybe it's a cat with like a, a very puffy tail or something. Or, yeah, but that, that yeah. is funny. Yeah. So I have this like warm place in my heart for it. And n- not only that, it's when I was very young, I I was kind of like a naturalist. I was in this like camp where we like learned all about like plants and stuff. And the cattail is actually very nutritious and it can be used for like all these different, it's a very useful plant basically. I've, I've heard yeah. about this and I, let's get into that. Cause it's like, it's like way more useful, I think than you would imagine. So I'm happy to, I, I can't actually think of all the, I, I've, I've someone rattled this off the uses to me once before and I don't remember all of them, but I let, have you, did you get to use it that way when you were a kid at camp? Did you use it in a bunch of ways? And, and, and yeah. let's, let's maybe hear about like how you did that when you were a kid. That sounds fun. Yeah. Well, I, there's a special way of making rope called cordage where, and that you can use it with It's It's mm. very fibrous. So it's, so it can create this very strong rope that, mm. that you can twist, it twists together and you can make that the it's rhizomatic so it grow it Mm. has these beautiful root systems and those can be eaten and Mm. they have i think like as much starch as a potato or something like it's very healthy it can be eaten like raw or cooked or turned into flour oh did you do any of that when you were like at camp as a kid yeah i yeah i ate it mud and all (laughs) yeah it looks like a leak and it tasted it tasted okay i feel like i didn't have it with any like seasoning it's like kind of eating a potato (laughs) like it (laughs) Uh, wasn't (laughs) but i think if you prepared it well it would be very tasty yeah so yeah let's see I've heard about that, and I keep I keep thinking I really want to try gathering some cattail root, or or I think you can eat the root and, as you said, like I think part of the stem as well. At the yes. right time. The but it's called the catkin. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, the 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 where the the hot dog or the the, the corn it's, dog. It's yeah, or, it's the yeah, it's the hot dog before it becomes a fully grown hot dog. That's the female part of the plant. <laughs> I love that sentence. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> that's called cat. Yeah, I see. Yeah, that that's cool. Um, yeah, because I actually when it when it looks like a corn dog, it's actually like it's almost like like if you pull it apart, it's almost like 
fluffy or something, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So that those are like the the flowers, the female flowers, and and actually, when I was a lot younger, when I was in this like camp and learning about all these plants, that part is used to make fires, and so when you're like making a fire you you can create that little like a little nest and it's very flammable so late usually later in the season it's great for for that and the mythologies around cattail also include a lot of like smoke related imagery so it, it has reminded people historically of smoke very interesting i um wow you you see man you, that camp you were at as a kid sounded like it was really cool <laughs> it was awesome i mean it was really fun it yeah it really it turned me on to to learning about plants i didn't even like realize how much information how how, how much there was to every single plant and um yeah that was cool that really did it for me um, cool. Well, well, let's get into some other fun facts and dazzling details. I, I wonder, like, so we've talked about eating it and eating different parts of it. We've talked about making rope. We've talked about fires. Is there anything else that you can use catkin or do you do with cat or cat, not cat. Catkin is the part of the plant, the cat tail. Yeah. So rope, the roots. Oh, the pollen is edible. If you get it earlier in the season, I think it's like, it has a lot of vitamin C and it's like, mm. Yeah, it's, it's very healthy. Let's see. It's, it was used, it used to be used as a pipe. <laughs> you can make oh. a pipe because it's a reed, you know? Oh. Yeah, pretty much every, you know, pr- literally it's like, and also the, the fluffy stuff has been used for like matting and stuffings, uh-huh. various, of various objects. Like, I think I read somewhere that it, because it's, buoyant it it was put into like world war ii life vests like life jackets oh, oh cool yeah i think milkweed so. they used that too f- for that i think that was a fairly common thing before we started doing all this like polystyrene polyethylene stuffing it was just using those fluffy plants that's so interesting Ugh. yeah we should go it's back amazing. to using fluffy plants Yes, I know. Fluffy plants are like the best. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, like every it's like, fluffy plant. It, totally, and it's like one of those things. As far as like, I mean, like probably the economics of gathering is pretty expensive, and it's probably why we stopped doing it. But it's not mm-hmm. one of those plant products that it seems like it would be a pretty sustainable thing to harvest because it's the seed, right? It's like there's a lot of them. You're probably gonna have, be hard pressed to harvest too many of the fluffy part of a cattail right i think so yeah that's cool i don't know yeah yeah no it's awesome i'm so i just love them so much they're so amazing so what what other fun facts and dazzling details do we have about cattails so yeah so cattails are they they only grow in they're called a transitional plant which means Mm -hmm. they're reeds and they grow in water that's no more than like two and a half feet deep Mm -hmm. so they're very you know reeds and i guess mythologically they have this like really interesting kind of history because 
they're native to North America and South America and places in Africa and Eurasia. So they're like, they're kind of all over the world. And because of this, and because they're such a useful plant, they've been put into like a lot of mythologies Mm. and they've been kind of very close to humans. But the t- I really was caught by the word. I never knew that it was called typha, latifolia. What, that's the kind of like Latin name. Uh-huh. And typha is, you know, you think of typhoon or t- typhoid or the, what's the, the dragon? The typhon, the serpent uh-huh. in Greek mythology. Oh, yeah. And... Because it has this cognate, because a lot of cattail kind of is associated with like water serpents or or dragons in in pretty much in a lot of different cultures. Interesting. Yeah, because it has that also connection to to fire because it kind of looks smoky at the top, like it's like with with the seed kind of in the in in the fall. Oh, like you could see the seeds. Blowing away. Yeah. Like like a field full of them probably looks like a smoky stuff floating away. Yeah, interesting. Yes. So I thought that that was really interesting that like this very useful plant is also is associated with such a kind of deep, you know, destructive or like watery monster essentially coming up from the depths that which like comes out of the the mud (laughs) so yeah i really i really liked that about it in mandarin it's called lung lung su which means dragon's beard so that's another example of it like interesting being associated with with dragons so you, you wouldn't think yeah, I, I wouldn't have. Thought, I mean, it's a, yeah. I wouldn't have thought cat, cat, and I wouldn't have thought dragon. I, I guess it's. I guess we're lucky we named it before we invented the corn dog because it probably would be called like water corn dog if if someone just saw it today. <laughs> yes. The dragon's yes. corn dog. The dra- <laughs> Yes, I love that. You know what? I think that that's kind of a new name for it. I think that that's yeah. absolutely appropriate yeah. also because it's so edible like yes true or not. yeah so yeah, yeah do you have any other fun facts and dazzling details about the the, the cattail you know just that also keeping in mind all the animals that use it too you know it's it's red-winged blackbirds live in it Ooh. like in the reeds it's home to leeches really like hanging out in the root area <laughs> <laughs> um, no, 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 yeah, I think you just I think you literally just like solve something for me about red winged blackbirds because red winged blackbird you always see them on fence posts mm-hmm. right and if you're like in the right part of the country and you look out in the distance and the fence posts would be a little red winged blackbird and I was like well what what did they do before fence posts the, uh, reeds reeds that's what it is, of course. I should have thought about it before, but it really, I, I literally had that thought. I was like, oh, that's, that's all they do is sit on fence posts. They must have done something before fence posts. The dragon's fence post, too, apparently. Yes, yes, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Well, you know, red-winged blackbirds are quite aggressive. 
So it does kind of go with that dragon-y theme, too. True. I didn't know they were aggressive. I guess it makes sense, because also the thing I observed about red-winged blackbirds is that you always see them, like, equidistant on fence posts. Like, they're never closer to each other than, like, a certain distance. Like, if the fence posts are too close together, they'll do every other. Like, they have, like, this sphere of influence, I feel like. They're just eyeing each other. Yeah, they're like, Don't come closer. This is my post. This is my post. This is my cattail. Yeah. So So cool. What, what, does anything else eat them? Or like, what, what, like? Yeah. Beavers, muskrats, like, I mean, geese kind of like go around them, eat them. So there's anything that kind of lives in, in a wetland area will usually be, you know, related in some way to cattail, whether it's that they're living in it or eating it. So first of all, I guess one thing that you mentioned earlier, I think, I think if you see them at distance, you maybe don't realize that they only are, that they're so aquatic, right. That they're like really their, their roots have to be in water. Even though, I mean, it's interesting, like they have to be up to two feet, but they, I don't think they really grow or at least for very long, unless there is water, which is pretty cool. And they are, and I think that term you used earlier is this transitional plant too. Like they are like this border between the water and the land, which is pretty cool. I think about this a lot when, you know, with, with plants that can, that do very well in like a lot of water or in a lot of heat. I I feel like this is something that, especially with climate change, it's something that's, that's really interesting to think about. You know, this is such a nutritious plant and it can, you know, survive floods like it Mm. it's it's kind of adaptable in this way it also survives in brackish water which is a little bit salty oh so it it can be adaptable in that way too yeah so it is this very adaptable plant that can kind of survive in yeah, in water or or kind of in between places. I also, it's also a bioremediator, which mm-hmm. means oh, wow. that, yeah, it will take pollutants from from the from wherever from the waters where it is, the wetland where it is, and it will use it or or store it. Those ones you shouldn't need because yeah. <laughs> as you mentioned that i feel like I, I i've known where some cattail is and someone told me that like you don't want to harvest it if it's like near a road or something like that because it it but but what a good service it's doing to like remove that stuff from the soil definitely yeah it's like you don't want to know what's in the corn dog at the fair <laughs> <laughs> that's a good analogy here's a new taste treat the corn dog. If you like hot dogs, you love corn dogs. Everybody does. Try a corn dog with your favorite beverage. At the refreshment corner now. Corn dogs. Well, very good. Thank you for sharing about cattail with me. Do you mind if I share a plant with you? Yes, please. Okay, this one's this one's interesting. Like, you know, I've talked about a lot of plants in this podcast, and I, I say this pretty often. It, it's it's I guess not getting harder to choose plants that are meaningful to me because there's so many plants out there but it is like I do have to kind of like look at different places and so this is one of the ones where 
I was just in my yard and I spotted it. I hadn't seen this. I've been in this house for maybe six years. I hadn't seen this before. It was it was growing near my grapevine, and I was like, oh, what what is that? They, that's these pretty little white flowers, kind of growing all. In fact, I looked closer, and they were uh, it was a vine growing all around the bottom of my grapevine. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. So I was like, I'll look you up and decide which you know what you are and or learn what you are, and then I will talk about it on the podcast. And it turns out it's a pretty cool plant. And and the thing that I think, well, when I was first thinking about this, I was like going to try to decide with you what I want to call it, because it has a bunch of names. But I think I have a preference, so we'll get we'll get through it together here. Okay. Um, so let's just start with its scientific name, which I'm not going to call it, because that's, that's just, you know, boring and, and maybe too geeky, I, calling things in common speak by their, their Latin name. I try not to do, even though I do like hearing about them. But its Latin name is Clematis virginiana. So it is a Clematis, which I think, you know, a very common pretty flower, but this is a native wild species of Clematis. Uh, so Clematis, just to get the etymology out of the way, Clematis means vining or branching, and most of the Clematises are a vining flower. And then virginiana, a lot of things have that specific epithet as virginiana. And I think it's because Virginia was a much bigger territory like in colonial times and also kind of like uh, also where the most people lived. And so when things were found, quote unquote, found, discovered, they were found in Virginia, which was much bigger than today. And so there's a lot of things that end up with that idea. And gener- so generally it kind of just means like from the East Coast, uh, I, f- I feel like when you see Virginiana. So it is. It's got, it's very, this plant has very wide range. It's from Canada all the way down to Florida. Wow. I don't think I know this plant. Oh, wait. Then you're going to tell me. Yeah, what it's is, got a bunch of common names. It? Yeah, it's yes. got a bunch of common names, and we're going to work through them all because, like, they're all a little bit inscrutable to me. I had to, like, work through to understand what they mean. And I feel like it's one that, like, it's one of those ones that I, I didn't know it until I saw it in my yard, but now I'm like, oh, I see it everywhere now. As particularly in July and August is when the flowers are blooming, which is nice to have a. There's, you know, not a lot of plants have their blooms around that time, so it's actually pretty nice to have a bloom at uh, that. And now I started seeing them in, in these like w- uh, wilder areas, kind of covering these white flowers, covering because they're a vine. They kind of grow up over things, and then they fill with this white bloom, and it looks really nice, uh, and it's really cool. So let's go through some of the common names. I, I don't know which one is I, okay. The first one that's most common, which I don't think I want to call it, is Virgin's Bower. I don't I don't want to like use the name the word virgin just randomly all the time, but I think it's called that because of the white flowers, right? And that's uh, given to given to things with white flowers. And then bower means, uh, I wrote this down from Wikipedia, it means, or I thought I did, it, it basically means, oh yeah, a pleasant shady place under trees or climbing plants in a garden or wood. So I think it it forms bowers when it grows over things mm. and it has these white flowers. So I think that's why it's been called virgin's bower, but I don't think I like that name. Another name that it has is um, woodbine, and that just means like woodbind and because it, it grows around things, but I apparently yes. there's a bunch of plants called woodbine. I was thinking because like, I know a plant called woodbine, but I don't think it has a white flower. Yeah, so I, anyway, I feel like it's, yeah. it's one of those ones that they 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 refer to like any vining plant can be woodbine. It's sometimes called traveler's joy, which I think I kind of like, but it's maybe not specific enough. And I, I couldn't find out why it's called traveler's joy. I tried to Google that, and I don't know. I mean, I guess <laughs> if you see it while you're traveling, it can bring you joy. But I feel like that's pretty common. <laughs> Good enough. Uh, I guess sometimes it's called wild hops, 
but I don't like that one because it's actually not edible. It does the, the vines look a little bit like hop vines, which are not native to North America. Um, so I guess if you're someone who knew hops from Europe and you saw this, you might have gotten confused and called them hops. But I don't think I like that one. Okay, I'm going to get to the. Uh, there's a few more which I I don't get at all. But the 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 two that I'm leaning towards. And I think I've decided here, but we'll get to it. So one of its things is called, and this is the one that is maybe the most interesting, but I don't think I want to call it this just because of shortness. It is apparently sometimes called Devil's Darning Needles, Ooh. which which is very interesting. But when you look at it, it doesn't have any sp- spines or anything. I thought when I first read that, oh, it's going to have like spines or like thorns or whatever, but it doesn't. So and, the darning I, needle part might be like the, it's, it's, twirled maybe is it is it kind of no i'm I, trying I, I to had, see like i had to google the... what a darning needle looked like because i didn't know like you apparently do with your way that you're making hand motions i it, <laughs> but a darning needle has like it's like a needle with a little a little like crook in it at the end is that is that mm-hmm. that's my understanding I, I think yeah but i only found one place on the internet that said the reason it's called that is that the stamens coming out of the flowers have that little hook to them Wow, that's um, so small. I feel but like they're that's very, very small. Similar. They do not. I don't know what. And why would the devil have very small darning needles? It seems like he would need big ones. I, I, I would just imagine bigger. Totally. Yeah, me, me too. I at least normal size socks, I guess, for darning. Yeah. So, and I don't even know why devil's involved. It seems like a very pretty flower. I mean, may, maybe, um, Maybe it can like smother out other plants potentially, I guess, but I haven't read too much about that and I hope that doesn't happen in my yard, but so maybe that's why. But yeah, it seems like it seems like quite a, a stretch because you I think devil's darning needles, you'd think of something sharp, like a curved, sharp thorn or something, and this doesn't have yeah. that. Yeah. Is it poisonous at all? Do you so, know? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. So that is interesting. It it is it is I guess mildly poisonous to ingest. Um and actually, we'll go down here before we get to my favorite name, because uh, okay. it also has to do with something about the plant. But we're talking about maybe that's why it's devil. So um, interestingly, um, apparently the fresh sap can be a skin irritant, similar to poison ivy. And also, interestingly, it does have leaflets with three le- leaves with three leaflets. So there is this this common, even though it's not related to poison ivy whatsoever, completely different family or whatever. It does have a similar leaf structure to poison ivy, and it apparently can be a topical irritant. Interesting. Yeah, which I thought topical was topical cool. irritants all around. Yeah. I don't know. It's like nature's code for like don't don't touch me. I guess in this yeah, part of the world. Yeah, just three anyway. leaves. Yeah, yeah, just don't do it. So I thought I thought that was interesting, but apparently ingesting it is not great either. Even though there is also, and I, I this topic was too broad and too confusing to get into but it has it has a lot of traditional medicinal uses but it's also toxic but those often go hand in hand and as we say on the show a lot uh the dose makes the poison um and and you know anything can be poisoned if you take too much but listener beware you know don't don't just take this for medicinal use i don't know what it's what it's for but there is a long history i found one reference that says that that it has some indigenous use as a hallucinogen, but I couldn't find any source to that at whatever. So and that happens okay. a lot with plants. You like read one reference about like its use and then you read that over and over and over again, but no one links to like where that information came from. And so I have no idea. Uh, Absolutely. It, uh, yeah. So, it's yeah. The internet, it, it's really crazy. And especially with, with plants, it's like with very specific plants, sometimes it's hard to, to find information. 
There's, yeah, they get they get lost always. in the same information over and over again. But when you try to get down to the base of that, it, it it's just not there. You know, nothing there. Yeah, yeah. So there there is a lot you can read about audience about medicinal use, and it apparently has a long history, but nothing current. And um, I didn't get a chance to. I, I meant to read more on like academic papers, but nothing really f- floated to the top of like Google search results about that either. So, but maybe that is why it's called Devil's uh, Devil's Darning Needles, because maybe if you get it on your skin. Mm. But I, but the the needle part is very it's very tiny. The flowers are quite small, and the stamens are even smaller. So someone had to be looking really close to me, like, oh, those remind me of a darning needle, I guess. But literally, I can't find any other reason why, and it doesn't make any other sense to me. And I was trying to Google. So if someone out there, audience, you know, has like some, your grandma knows this flower really well and has another reason why it's called devil's darning needles, please let me know because it it doesn't make any sense to me. Okay, so the last <laughs> thing, and I think this is what I'm going to call it. And you know, the episodes of the show always have the name of the plants. And I'm like, well, what is it? It can't be cattail and Clematis virginiana. That's boring. It can't be. I don't want it to be cattail and, and virgin's bower. That's weird. Uh, I don't want it to be cattail and devil's darning needles. It's just way too long. Uh, and so one of the other names apparently it is sometimes called, and this actually has an interesting callback to your plant. Sometimes it is called old man's beard. And that's because it also has fluffy flowers, uh, fluffy seed heads. Wow. Yeah. And it, and and I haven't I'm I'm excited to go check it's a little bit early now, but I think in a few weeks or so it should start showing that. And and when the flowers have been pollinated, they look like these little clumps of white puffs in the in the in the vines. And so it looks like little old men's beards dotted around. And so that's the name I think I want to call it and and I'm going to start referring it to old man's beard. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> these names, I, I think that plant names, uh, you know, these like kind of whatever they come from, this kind of like folk tradition of naming mm-hmm. plants is is just it's great. It's so yeah. imaginative and it's so specific to, to, you know, like one part of the plant and it or like just random like cattail. It's kind of just like, OK, somebody just decided that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I. Totally, and this this plant really kind of uh, exemplifies that, and I didn't really realize that, but like you can have the same plant that is called the Devil's Darning Needle, the Virgin's Bower, and the Old Man's Beard, right? Three wow. very very uh, different, uh, uh, you know, uh, platonic ideals of, of something, right? All within one plant, and encompasses it all. Yes, lots of archetypes there. Yes, archetype. That was the word I was looking for. <laughs> Three archetypes in one plant. Amazing. So I don't, you know, I'm, I've am i never seen, I don't think I've ever seen this plant before. This is beautiful. Keep, keep, have you, you Googled a picture of it? I just Googled a picture yeah, of yeah. it. Because I was keep like, an eye, I don't know. Where, where I see it, and I, you know, I think it grows up, up as far as, you know, Canada. So even, you know, I mean, I don't know how, how common it is in, in Brooklyn, but, but, you know, maybe up where you're from in, in upstate New York, uh, I, where I see it current, well, in in like uh, when it blooms between July and August, um, is in these areas kind of out on the Potomac River. I live near the Potomac River, and these mm-hmm. areas where there's just lots of like not quite trees, but it's like green shrubby stuff. It ends up covering a lot of it, and then when I once I saw it in my yard, I was like, oh you just see this kind of field of white kind of covering everything when the flowers are blooming. It's quite pretty. So uh, keep your eye out. And if you see something in distance, if you see like lots of white flowers and you don't know what they are and they're kind of flowing over things, it might be this one because it's it apparently be quite that. a common flower. 
And so it, I guess it blooms since you found it recently, it blooms later yeah. in the year. Yeah, it's it supposedly blooms from July to August, which also is super cool. Um, you know, we think about flowers blooming mostly in the spring. There's also another batch that 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 bloom uh, later in the fall. But those ones that bloom kind of like dead summer in the middle of summer are pretty rare. And, and also for the pollinators are a great thing. So I think it's a super cool plant. And so I, I also, I was super excited when I saw it growing and learned that it was a native plant because my yard is full of lots of invasives and other things that I'm kind of fighting. So when a new native plant pops up, I'm very excited, particularly a vine because I have a lot of... Um, I have a lot of porcelain berry, which is like really hard to fight mm. as far as an yeah. invasive plant. And so having a, a new a new native vine pop up in my yard was very exciting. Yeah, and having a native plant that's like that's very robust is always nice too. Like, oh yeah, there's just a ton of it over there. Yeah. So um, I hope it's it's pretty small right now. I'm hoping it starts to do more, but I do have to be a little I guess I hope it doesn't have any kind of like out competing characteristics because I have this um a native grapevine, a muscadine grapevine that's really, really big now. So I actually don't think it's at any risk of being outcompeted. I just hope it doesn't completely cover it. But I can imagine a world where if it grows a lot next year and starts interweaving with the grapevine and you'll have this look of like these little white flowers mixed in with the grape leaves, it could be really, really awesome. That sounds awesome. I wonder if you could try to train that, like try to do some of that. That's an interesting, I, I should look into that. I, I'm going to try that next year if it pops up again. I actually don't know if, so actually one last little fun fact about it is um, it's a climbing vine, but it doesn't have tendrils like a grape. So I have a grape and, it, and the grapes climb by sending out these little tendrils that loop around things and then they kind of mm -hmm. pull themselves slowly from the, the tendrils. But the the uh, the old man's beard, as we've decided to call it, does not have tendrils, but it just has very thin vines. And so it relies on these little thin vines spiraling themselves. So the vine itself is kind of the tendril. And so I think, I guess what Ned's talking it through, I guess what's going to happen is those places where it grew, I think it will live out the winter like that. And then the next year, those little parts will get bigger and woodier theoretically. So maybe I can take some of those smaller vines now and move them strategically. I'm going to try that. That's a good idea. Did you help me talk through it? Try it. Yes. Yeah. That's so interesting. It's such, um, yeah, I love the idea. I've never actually trained any plants, <laughs> except <laughs> maybe like turning, <laughs> turning them in the sun. But yeah, I love that idea. I'm all for it. I'm, I'm I've done that a little bit it. with the grape. It's, if you see my grape you, and you say that I trained it, you, people will, will laugh because it's pretty wild. But I did have to go in and like, you know, move a lot of the branches into the, I have a big arbor and then another little like thing where the grape, and it's completely covered it now. It's, it's out of control. This grape is awesome. Actually, you should go harvest some more grapes today before they get eaten by the raccoons. But but I, I, I've done that a little bit with the grape, but it's not ordered. I don't really care about it being super ordered, but if I could just guide it to kind of maybe grow a little bit more up instead of out into the yard where it'll eventually get mowed, and some of it is growing out that way into the yard, because it apparently can, like, if it doesn't have nothing to grow, it doesn't have anything to grow up, it will kind of become a ground cover as well. Mm -hmm. So I, I think I'm going to, I'm going to try that. That's a really great idea. I was going to ask, so is it, it, if it's a vine, does it need like full sunlight? Like where, like if it wasn't at, by your house, where would it grow? You good, know? good point. I guess it is one of the few uh, flowering vines that can really have low light. 
and and it can deal with full sun, but I guess I I forget what I read the term. It was full sun to to not complete shade, but almost. It, it, it apparently can grow in a pretty shady place, which is pretty cool. So I can imagine a place where it's growing in a forest and having these pretty white flowers in a pretty shaded area is also could be a really nice look. Oh my god, I can see it. Just like perfect, pristine forest woodland with like these white flowers in vines just hanging down from trees the sun's coming through in shafts yeah it's very like you, you like can imagine like something like a like a fairy tale happening the beginning of a fairy tale or something um it's going in my head i can yeah and then there's it. like a a dragon shows up and yeah yeah <laughs> An old man with a beard. A dragon <laughs> with a, with a corn dog. Yeah. <laughs> Where's Fred from well, the devil with his darning needles? <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, we're writing a whole new uh, uh, a whole new um, uh, fairy tale here. That's great. The 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 yeah. the devil the devil with no socks and the dragon <laughs> with the corn dog and the old man. <laughs> Or that's a joke. The devil with no socks, uh, uh, a dragon with a corn dog, and an old man walk into a bar. Oh my gosh, I love it. Amazing. Here at the end of the show, I want to talk again about chicory. You remember chicory from back on episode 70 when I spoke with Amy about the Kentucky coffee tree and chicory. But chicory is that little blue flower that you often see along the edge of the sidewalk of the road. It's related to dandelion really beautiful flower and the roots can be used to make a coffee-like drink. Uh, It's a really cool plant, but what does this have to do with this episode? Well, Irene is a really great writer and she writes a newsletter that's called What's That Plant? And uh, if you like Rootbound, I highly suggest signing up for What's That Plant? Because I think that newsletter and this podcast come from a very similar place. And so on each newsletter, Irene writes about a specific plant and lots of different things about it. It's really, it's really lovely. You should check it out. But in the edition of What's That Plant About Chicory, there was a little piece that really stood out to me, and I thought it'd be nice to hear that uh, aloud here on the podcast. And so I've asked a friend of the show to uh, give a reading from a excerpt of the Chicory edition of What's That Plant, and that is how we will end the show today. A myth for chicory. Somewhere along the road, a figure is walking. Their hands are thick, and their muscles sinuous and taut along their tall form. You might have passed them before on a summer day like this, when their sky-colored hair reached in tendrils to the sky. It will always seem you're passing them by because they love the road, and they stay walking along it. The truth is that they're waiting, and that they've been waiting even as their feet march along the cement. There must have been a point when this tall and tough being had a sweetheart, now long gone, because their motion is so full of the purpose only true love can bring. The spirit of the chicory is known to exhibit divine patience, a presence in the place of rupture, as if to guard it. If you come across a chicory, ask it to teach you a bit about what it means to remember the reason why you left in the first place. The answer will no doubt be bitter, yet healthy, the way truth sometimes is. My guest on this episode of Rootbound was Irene Lila Lee. 
Irene is a writer, publisher, and educator who publishes the newsletter, What's That Plant?, on Substack. There will be a link in the show notes. The Myth for Chicory was read by musician and childhood friend of Irene, Party Nails, a.k.a. Alana Carroll. The music that played underneath was Someway, Somehow, also by Party Nails. If you like Rootbound and you want to help support the show, visit rootboundpodcast.com slash support to find out how you can help out, including supporting the show on Patreon. Rootbound is hosted by a guy who has no need for the devil's darning needles, Steve Ellington. Really, my socks have very few holes in them. Music by Christian Kriegeskota. Fake ads by David Lonnie. Rootbound is a podcast about plants for when you're stuck inside, but if you can go outside, see if you can track down the dragon's corn dog. The Waggle Dance. Let's get waggly.